All right, welcome to the Ocean Water Podcast. I have my good friend with me today, Jake Ribzik. I get it right, brother? Got it. That's it. <laughs> good, good, good. So uh, Jake just finished being the student body president at Saddleback College, and he has now transferred to Cal State Fullerton to keep working on his schooling there. Glad they got a good online program for you so you can keep on trucking while right. all this, um, while society's in a bit of an upheaval. And uh, so I'm glad you can continue that. Uh, and also, Jake, at 18 years old, ran for San Clemente City Council, one of the youngest people to ever run for that position. Got a little over 7% of the vote. There were so many candidates that he only lost a seat by 3%. So love talking to you, dude. You're so smart. And I'm just honored that you're on here today, dude. Thank you, Ryan. I'm happy to be here. You've, you've definitely been an important person in my life. And I'm happy to sit down with you and have a discussion. It's awesome, man. I, I love you, dude. And um, I've known Jake for a few years. And um, Jake has been uh, uh, dating our good friend, Sam. They've been, they've been together for a while. It's been great to watch. And so enjoying our time together today, dude. So when you're at home these days and uh, you do get a chance to, to go out to eat, <laughs> where do you go and what do you get? You know, I've worked at a lot of restaurants in, in San Clemente, uh, in my hometown. So I'm going to be honest with you. There's so many places that I go to that are so high on my list. So I'll just name a few places. Um, most of these places I've worked, but, you know, I, I work at places that I really agree with and and that I kind of vibe with. So Cassano's Pizza, that's for me, the number one pizza restaurant in our town. Uh, I love it there. Um, I love La Galette, all right? That's restaurant at our, uh, at our local pier. That's amazing, best, just amazing French crepes, uh, great community, great family that, that's working there. Um, and then I'll throw in a coffee shop, right? We, we both like coffee, that's something we oh, do. Yeah. Uh, I would say Zebra House, which yeah, I currently am, I'm currently yeah. working at, and I just, I think for a craft coffee shop to have the drive-through action going and to have the expansion going that they that they're working on, I just think it's a great community there. But you know, all coffee shops in uh, San Clemente are are solid. We have a great community going of coffee. Dude, man, awesome, brother, awesome. So, so what are you doing these days, Jake? And uh, how did you how did you get into it? What are you up to? Right now, I'm just trying to get that degree, man. Uh, I really want to be a teacher. That's that's something that. Since I, I was little, I've really admired my teachers. And you kind of, I feel like a lot of people get that passion for what they want to do. Maybe not the specific job, but if they want to be an orator, if they want to work, you know, with their hands, if they want to do more physical work, I feel like you can start identifying a lot of that early on. And teachers are some, are people who've, you know, always mentored me. And they're people who I've always just had crazy amounts of respect for. So right now I'm at, as you mentioned, I'm at Fullerton. I'm getting my degree in political science. Uh, I would love to just get involved in teaching, become a teacher, do community service. Um, and yeah, I, I currently, as I mentioned before, I'm just at a, at a coffee shop right now, right? I'm just making, making people coffee, making people smile, um, doing everything one day at a time, really into local politics. So uh, yeah, my future definitely is gonna be involved with teaching, with politics, and just with making people smile, making people feel good. Uh, local community, I'm all about Team San Clemente, so, yeah. I love it, man. Uh, and, and making people think. You have so much to offer. 
and uh, you're, you have a lot of thoughts about a lot of subjects, which I love. And uh, I, you're one of those guys I can sit down and talk about 25 different things with. It's great. <laughs> awesome. Um, so I remember um, chatting with you when you, when, you, when you ran for city council. And one of the things that was, that was eye-opening for you was actually how mean <laughs> people my age <laughs> were being to you. Right. And, uh, I, you know, I was able to, to help you give, give you some advice a little bit about how to handle that. And, uh, you're, you're in a, uh, you're in a bare, a bare knuckle sport for sure. And yeah. so, so what, what are some of the things that you've learned, you know, in the, in the last couple of years that, that were just new for you? What, what, you know, what, what are, um, that jump out at you? that's a great question. Uh, you know, obviously I ran for city council, uh, at 18. So I was exposed to a lot of things that, a lot of 18 year olds are exposed to, I'm not going to say all 18 year olds, but I definitely was exposed to, uh, as you're kind of mentioning, I mean, just some people are mean, right? They, they verbally are mean, uh, online. There's like an online sport to be a bully. You know, it's almost something people, I want to say like, they really get like they get satisfied by, you know, being, I don't know if they think they're being aggressive, but a lot of people are really aggressive online as we see that. So, Locally, I wasn't expecting to get any of that type of heat, right? I mean, I could I bump into you at the grocery store. So if you're saying something mean about me online, you know, it's the chances of us interacting are are slightly high. So for sure, uh, some things that I that I learned were to take criticism lightly, yeah. and to understand that when people are uh, telling you something, they're projecting often. So they're either projecting their own internalized feelings, they're projecting their lack of understanding, right? So I feel like when people were aggressive to me, they just had a lack of, uh, of thoughtfulness, a, a lack to hear the other side. So I definitely learned uh, to, take, to take comments with a grain of salt. Um, but I've also learned, you know, through that experience to, uh, to listen to people, right? If, if you're upset with me, if you're upset with one of my point of views, the best thing I can do before attempting to, you know, engage in a conversation with you is hear you all the way through. Hear out why you feel that way, uh, why it is that you feel like you need to be aggressive, right? Because a lot of the heat that I got was was a little aggressive. Um, so <laughs> <Just> a little, <laughs> a little aggressive. Um, so I definitely just learned to understand that everybody has a backstory. If people are really anti me, right? They're really charged against me. Oftentimes, it's not the person they're charged against. Yeah. It, it's more or less the idea of what that represents. So my political views, they don't like that idea. It's not particularly me, right? They don't like um, the fact that I lack the experience that they view important to be on, to be on a city council. So I, I've just learned to really understand that everybody has a point of view. Everybody has a valid point of view, right? Um, even people who on face value, like, racist like I feel like if you're a racist that's not a good feeling to have that's not something you should be doing but there is a perspective on why that individual is racist and I think uh what's something I really learned throughout my time running for city council is to listen and listen why is that individual feeling this way why is that uh person so charged about uh you know about an individual's race or an individual's uh political ideas so I definitely mm -hmm. learned to take everything with a grain of salt listen to people um, and just be respectful to others, right? I think 
respect goes a long, a long way. I've been super respectful to my political opponents, right, who weren't respectful to me. And now we're able to have an adult conversation, which I appreciate, and we're able to get past our differences and just talk about what matters, which in terms of my city council run, what mattered to us was our city and our people, you know. Yeah, I think you said it right. I think that there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, discourse. <laughs> I guess you could say now, discourse seems to be at, at an all time high. Civil right. discourse is at an all time low, and and so True. what happens now is people attach their personhood to their ideas, and. Um, right. What what we lose in that is that you're is that you're always is that you're supposed to respect, love, and be kind to all people, but you understand that our that our ideas are fluid and they change and they change uh, because we're constantly learning. So right. as we learn, uh, our ideas adjust and they change and they evolve, and so that's part of being human, is that we can consider new information, we can consider new data, we can consider new experiences and we add that into the algorithm that's gotten us to where we are. And so right. it's a beautiful thing when, when we're able to be kind and, and loving and respectful uh, to people, even as you understand that our ideas about life are, are always changing. <laughs> right, I think being open-minded is, one of the best things you can do, because right now we're coming up on the next election, right after my election. So it's a new election season and it's only been two years. And I'm, I'm telling you, Ryan, there are things that I've changed my mind about within these two years, going from an 18 year old to a 20 year old. And I'm 100 percent confident that I didn't, you know, if I, I could basically debate myself from the past on some of like the issues that I was talking about. So being open minded. Right. So being open minded is like key to being um, to being a good resident of a city, right? There's so many different point of views in a resident of a city. I think being open-minded is really important as an individual because we all have personal interactions where, oh, you do that, that's, you know, that's not something I do. So I think having that open-minded perspective is super important. And it's something that I learned uh, running from city council or running for city council rather. It's something that I'm learning as I get older. And it's something that I really cherish the ability to be open-minded and the ability to uh, have just to listen, you know, but full full stop to listen. I love that, and you know, you bring up a good point about being open-minded. And part of that, part of the reason why we why we evolve, we change, is because we're curious. And one of, one of my favorite one of my favorite questions to to ask people is, uh, you know, what do you what are you curious about these days? So what are you curious about these days, Jake? And what are, what are you interested in? Wow, there's so much, Ryan. There's so much to be curious about every day. There is, you know, just in terms of our immediate life, you know, COVID-19 is something that is constantly, it's a theme throughout our lives. And every single day, there's a new vaccine developed. There's a new this developed. Um, I think there's so much conversation going around. I feel like there are certain themes that we can be really curious about through our whole lives or we can really focus on. And I think one of those things is how people live, right? I'm super curious about that. I, um, I'm from Colorado, Boulder, Colorado. Uh, it's where I have lived 13 years of my life there. I was born in Colorado. So I was so used to living a certain way. 
and being mm -hmm. around a certain group of people. So then moving out here, I kind of had a few and out here in St. Clemente, I had a, a few years of not depression, but just being repressed, not being myself, not being, not exploring my environment around me, um, but fully coming to understanding of how beautiful St. Clemente is, how different it is from where I'm from has been a, an eye-opening experience for me. And I think one of the most important things I've learned is just to observe the environment around you, to get involved and to kind of push yourself in an area um, that you've never been. So I'll bring you up for, for example. Um, I didn't grow up in a religious household by any means. I never attended church at all. Uh, it wasn't at all an active decision by my, you know, my family. It was just something that we've always avoided, right? But coming out here to San Clemente and kind of part of my story of coming out of my shell was attending church for the first time and, and just kind of being in an environment that I was totally uncomfortable in um, and learning to adapt and learning to enjoy adapting was really something that brought me out of my shell from, you know, a 13 year old who moved from Colorado, who never would go outside and enjoy the beach to now somebody who, you know, I can't stand to be inside. And I think just taking that risk to go to a place that you've never been like a church and the willingness to listen and open has been super important uh, in my life. It, it, and it's why I got to the point where within five years of living here, I felt like I could do something like run for city council, where if you ask the 13 year old, you know, Jake, who just moved from Colorado, I could, you know, I couldn't even stand going to the beach. So something I've really learned is just to, just to try things, right? I yeah. mean, I'll try, but I feel like we can all do a better job of trying more and doing more to get out of, you know, your comfort zone. I love it, man. Yeah. So, so what is, what's something that you, you have failed at that you'd like to talk about? <laughs> I mean, I don't want to talk about the tests I failed. Right. I don't want to yeah, talk yeah. about, I mean, it, it's just a theme. I mean, I definitely, um, I like the word failure because I think it represents one side of a coin right? Because although there is a failure, there is always something born out of that. So I'll just kind of pivot directly uh, back to my city council run, right? That on its face was a failure in the sense that I didn't achieve the goal that I set out to achieve. That goal was to be on the city council, right? But I failed, if you will, at that. But in turn, I've met incredible, incredible local legends, right? I've met people who have taught me more than I could have, have ever learned online, right? I gained friendships and different relationships with business owners and people in our community that I didn't ever thought, like I never thought that would be possible. So I failed at running for city council, but I gained so much, right? So much through that experience where it almost feels like it's not a failure, right? I let down the people who, you know, were voting for me, but at the same rate, I feel like we all kind of expressed ourselves in a way that a lot of us weren't comfortable doing, right? Like the, the kind of campaign I ran, a lot of people in St. Clemente weren't willing to express some of their feelings for a new leadership or for, you know, ideas which are not traditional in St. Clemente. So to have the, to bring those people out was like something that really touched me to have those relationships uh, really touched me. So that's something I failed at. But at the same rate, I feel like it was such a success that it's only the other side of the coin, right? I feel like with every failure, there is a success. 
Um, so yeah, city council is something that I, I almost am hesitant to call it a failure, my race, because I gained so much more. And the people that I was running against, I now have extremely close relationships with two years later. So I think failure is one of those tricky words where are you ever really just failing or is there that opportunity in, in the failure? Do you understand? Yeah, totally, totally understand. I didn't, I didn't view it that way. It's, it's funny how when the way we, we view ourselves and the way other, other people might view us, I, I certainly did. And I was really, really proud of you for Thank um, you, Ryan. making a point about you, in our town, you can go to, you can go to Camp Pendleton and you can sign up to put your life on the line for the country that you live in. And so it would only make logical sense that at the same age, you should be able to offer your perspective on the other side of things about how to present policies and ideas that make it a better place to live. Right. I so feel like I, I don't think it's wise to tell people that you can, you can put your life on your line for the place that you live, but you're not allowed to bring your ideas to the table that might make it a, a more appealing place for, for people to live. That makes, right. makes total sense. And I mean, I think wisdom is something that we definitely have to, we have to understand there is power in wisdom. Okay, With, like knowledge and being wise and you know having years on you, there's definitely something that is important about that. And there, it, we do need that aspect in our society you know, to kind of level the playing field of the new ideas mixed with, you know, the tried and true, what works, what hasn't worked. Um, I feel like that's a good balance. So going into the space of politics at such a young age, I'm surrounded by people who are so much more wise than me. But what they lack uh, in wisdom is understanding the growing up in the society that they have built and understanding what you know, life is like for a person of my age. So I definitely, um, I definitely wanted to get involved in something like city politics. And I'm, I still want to get involved in the city, not even in terms of politics, but just in these day-to-day -day interactions with businesses and local leaders. Because I think there's so much to learn from everybody, no matter your age. And I feel like you can't even put wisdom uh, to an age. We all have different aspects of wisdom. And you always hear people be referred to as like an old soul, right? Like younger people being referred to it as an old soul, but they just, you know, we all have aspects of that within ourselves. And it's just that, that wisdom that we have from our individual experiences, which kind of allow us to, to spread that wisdom. So running for city council was something that I definitely was worried about. Do I have, you know, deep down, I was wondering, do I have these knowledge, the knowledge and skills that a traditional city council member has? And then I, quickly learn that I'm bringing more to the table because I have a different set of skills, a different set of being wise. Yeah, and then, and then, and then you realize that there isn't, uh, age doesn't equal wisdom. Right. Uh, because there are people that have been 21 years old for 21 years straight and they're 42, but they've really just been 21 for 21 years straight. And, and, and then conversely, there's, there's people that are 20 that are, that have immersed themselves in. And so all those, all those ideas and, and algorithms, I think go right out the window. And I think that, you know, a wise person when you meet one. Right. I, I believe, I believe that people are a lot smarter than we give them credit for. 
and I think people are able to, to distinguish the wise ones. And so that's where we just, we just hope and pray that God will help us be one. <laughs> right. Right. And everything's not so linear, right? Like we can always be a, a better person, be a wise person, uh, gain that knowledge. Um, you know, life is really what we make of it. Yeah. So I, I feel like we all have the capability to, to work at just knowledge. You know, knowledge is something that there's so many different fields. It, it, to me, it's one of the keys um, to just doing what, uh, doing what you're meant to do right? Following that purpose of serving, you know, God, for instance, like, I really feel like if you're able to open your mind to uh, the different levels of knowledge that are available to you, you're going to be able to succeed quicker to towards those goals and become a wiser person more than if you're just, you know, not participating in the outside world or not opening up your eyes or having, you know, conversations, which sometimes might get deep or uncomfortable. I think that's all a part of wisdom, right? Is having that lived experience of actively becoming wiser, you know? It's great, man. It's good. I know you have a lot, you got a lot in you, dude. I know. Um, Do stuff. Let's, let's hang up. Let's hang a bit of a right. And let's talk about water for a moment. A lot of times when I put this, this uh, virtual background on here, people think that's a cute, uh, cute photo or this is actually a very personal photo and uh, for two reasons one uh, is the place uh, the photo that I have for my background is is Palmercito El Salvador and the guy inside of, of, of that wave and in a nice little tube is my friend Sampapo and he has uh, was born in this place where this photo was taken right in front of his home and this is a place where we've sent 130 people in the last since 2015 to uh, help with some water projects there and um but jake kind of give me your understanding if you will just of like the world of water what are what are your thoughts on that what do you know about i mean i understand this i mean i understand like here I'll, I'll talk about my lived experience so here in the united states right i think water is something that i take for granted every day all right, I have plenty of plants that I, you know, just feed, feed, I give them tons of water. Um, I myself have access to crazy amounts of water to the point where I'm not even actively thinking about it, right? Like, obviously, like, I don't want to take a shower longer than 10 minutes or, you know, I don't want to leave my faucet on, but I really am not ever thinking about where my water is coming from. I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. I try to filter out my water. Um, I try to avoid... Uh, water bottles you know like the uh the plastic pre-done water bottle because i just don't i don't understand the reasoning behind it other than just convenience and i feel like i have a hydro flask i much more prefer that i know you know what kind of water i'm putting in it and i you know i'm not producing as much waste as i would be if i had a plastic water bottle um worldwide i just i i understand like uh i was talking about syria where right now they have a civil war a huge aspect of that civil war is the lack of drinking water sure, and the sure. lack of water for farming so this is a desert in the middle east in an area where there are already groups like you know isis and you know there's a war happening in a lot of aspects of this of this region but when you take away something as vital as water you see how things escalate so quickly so water is definitely something that i've i for sure take for granted but it's something that uh you know i love i mean i to put it straight like i need water we all need water it's something that um 
I don't know what I would do if I was in that position where, you know, you're telling me to limit how much water I can put on my plants, which they've done in plenty of areas of the United States, or take it a step further, you're telling me that I can't even drink water or that I have to go to a well far away um, to access that water. Maybe it's not even clean. That's something that I, my perspective is not aware of. I haven't had that lived uh, perspective. So I definitely take water for granted. That's for sure. Well, you and me, we, we all, we all have uh, plenty of, plenty of that here. And it's, it's really interesting. Uh, I, I became exposed to, uh, to kind of what I call like the world of water back in 2010. I had gone on a bicycle ride and uh, I traveled for a year on my bicycle. I rode across Canada and the United States and down into South America, down into Colombia, actually. And I spent a year, I rode uh, 10,000 miles through, through 10 countries. And on that, uh, I slept in a hammock and actually wrote a little, a little book about it. And um, on that journey that I called Ride for Water, I learned all about water. And what I discovered was that one in eight people in the world have a water problem, meaning uh, they have a quality problem or they can't access it. Right. And on top of that, the people that can't access it or have poor quality also pay the most for it. Right. So there's access inequality and there's actually a cost inequality. Uh, and then uh, as I was doing my doctorate in public health, I discovered that really we have the technology to, to turn small amounts of ocean water uh, into drinking water for people. And so that led me into the work that I'm doing now, which is actually called, called Ocean Water. And one of the reasons why I love uh, having these conversations with people like you is, is one, you're, you're really interesting, fun to talk to, but also every good thing that's happened in my life has always happened through a conversation somebody that you know kind of maybe said something that a lot of times when you're talking to people you think like you you can't even remember what you said but then it'll click like something will click with some something that you talked about like a sentence or a word or something that you read somewhere and it always always changed for me always started with a nice conversation and that's how i i stumbled into the work that that i'm doing now is that it's really been a 10-year journey and now we we've identified rural and small coastal areas around the world where we can put in these systems and they'll turn about a 300 gallons a day of ocean water into, into drinking water using solar, which is very interesting. And right. that, that's exciting because it gives people who are bearing the highest economic cost uh, for this fundamental human right and right. so we're able to solve a few problems and it's really, really satisfying. Um, really, really, really satisfying when, when, when you're able to help people that way. I mean, a hundred percent, because even in, if I'll just interrupt real quick, like even in the United States, we have Flint, Michigan, which sure. is infamous for having lead in their drinking water. So if you're able to almost reverse engineer it to a simple solar, conversion i mean you can really be avoiding like a lot of problems like water is just one of the most important things so you'd even think in a in a first world country if you will like the united states there isn't any water issues like there still are water issues it's funny you, it's funny you brought that up because a good friend of mine jason matthews um 
he actually asked me to look into some research for Flint, Michigan. I said, of course. And wow. him and I are talking about what I'm kind of in a discussion with him that's evolving about what, you know, what, what can we do? That's a different problem because there's been so much industrial waste pollution there that, that the water table's essentially been contaminated. And I so understand. It, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's a very wow. complex issue. It's not as simple as fixing infrastructure, even if you fix the infrastructure is a massive problem, but it, it, it's almost like each home there needs a specific system installed in it that removes lead and arsenic yeah. from the entire water system for the house. That's, that's an expensive yeah. proposition when you're looking at a problem that affects a hundred thousand people more in the area, more than that. Right. So yeah, it's, you're right. You know, we, we have so much and, um, there's so much work to do. There's so many um, uh, people to try to try and help, and it's yeah. good to keep the conversation going. I know, I know, in El Salvador, for example, we we we've started, we've we've installed a system there. But then also, uh, there was uh, there was a family. That, so the system we've installed in El Salvador services thirty-eight families. And there's also a family, they had a storm recently in the midst of all this COVID. They were on lockdown like we were here in the United States. And they, there was a, a family that lost a home. And so now we're in discussion about, yeah, we've, we've provided water. And in addition, we've also fed those 38 families. This guy in this way right here, his, him and his family have taken responsibility, full responsibility for feeding all 38 of those families and providing water for them. And we're now in discussions about how to build that family that lost their home, how to rebuild their home in April on a trip that we're going to take down there on spring break. Pretty cool. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, that's excellent. Yeah. 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 Really fun. Yeah. I mean, you're helping, I mean, it just shows that we're a global community, right? And that like, there is no border that can, you know, stop a human from helping another human. You know, it's like, we have this innate thing. I feel like a lot of us do um, to just, you know, I don't know if it's a natural thing, I don't know what it is, but just to help people. And oftentimes the people we're not helping, I feel it's just because we don't understand and we don't hear enough about these type of people. So, you know, once again, like water is something that we have such crazy access to here in the United States. I, I don't hear enough stories about areas where they're not able to get water, areas where, you know, their infrastructure is down to the point where it's going to take till April to be able to, you know, start to reconstruct that life. Where here in San Clemente, I feel like it would be pretty, pretty quick. You know, if, if something happened, happened to us, uh, we would be pretty quick to get to get things fixing up again. So that's, that's crazy. But that's, that's really awesome that, you know, you're involved in that and that, you know, that community is even able to like, luckily at this moment, get clean water, right? Even which is just such a basic thing. Yeah, it's, I, went, I, I taught my, um, my granddaughter, uh, Aubrey, uh, if you go up by St. Clemente Summit, you'll notice that there's a giant water storage uh, up by St. Clemente Summit. And that's because um, one of the first things you do if you go into uh, a hilly area and you have the means to do it, you store water uh, 
because if something happens, some sort of catastrophe, the gravity can be used to distribute it. And so wow. it's a little, little, little kind of aside, little factor that I've been teaching Pina. That's crazy but, though. That's, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. It's, inter it's super interesting. Um, right. But dude, I, I have just, um, I've been having so much fun just watching you do well. Um, Thank you. Yeah. It's just fun to watch your life. You and Sam are killing it and you like had a rad time in Sabac. Now you're over at Fullerton and, it's just awesome, man. It's good to be in your life, dude. And um, what I would like to end with this: what what do we what do we need to hear from Jake today, dude? What do you got, bro, to close us out? What do you want to say? This is what I gotta say. Today <laughs> is a beautiful day, and I'm not just talking about San Clemente. I'm talking about wherever you are in the world right now, tuning in, watching this. Maybe it's tomorrow you're watching it, but the day that you're watching this, there is potential to do great things. So just get out there. Um, you know, this might be a little ironic because we're on a screen right now, but tune out the screen. Look at the people around you, communicate to the people around you. You know, if uh, if you're being hit by COVID-19, do it out of, you know, the, the right way. Um, but for sure, my advice is this, get up, do something, enjoy, uh, enjoy the physical world because there's so much beautiful things that we have to offer in this world. Protect it, for sure. Jake Rizvik, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, brother. Love you, man. Thank you, Ryan. Yeah, thanks for coming on, dude. We'll talk to you soon. Yep, see ya. All right, yep. All right, thank you, Ryan. Yep.